the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're staying cool because it was it's hot. <laughs> It's hot. So let's start thinking positively, though, because it's going to get better next weekend or next week. Uh, it's supposed to be in the 70s. If everyone was thinking alike, then everybody isn't thinking. That was General George Patton. By the way, there's a lot of people that think that way in the stock market. I have an ir- irresistible desire to live till I can be assured that the world is a better place, a little bit better for my having lived in it. That's Abraham Lincoln. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough. Uh, well, I think he he could say he, he fulfilled his promise anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, like, you know, we always talk about our, our web page. It's a great place to go if uh, you'd like to get any information we talk about on the show. If you Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. Uh, remember, it always says, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, or actually buy, you know, if the stock's been going sideways, buy sideways when it breaks out. But there's some good stuff on there. Uh, don't forget, you know, we've been talking about interest rates being lower for longer for five, six years now. Okay, so when everybody else thought yields were going up big last year, we came out and said buy yield now. Okay, I remember I had a discussion with a gentleman. I was talking about REITs, and he said, "Well, you know, I don't like REITs because REITs they always, you know, they always come in and buy the the portfolio when it's too high." And uh, sure enough, they were the best performing asset class last year. So. Uh, anyway, we do have the daily technical analysis on there where Bob Dickey uh, gives you an idea of what's going on. And we have Market Week, which is a great uh, newsletter. Uh, we have some hints on cybersecurity and data breaching. I'd highly recommend uh, that you read those. Highly recommend it. Um, if you'd like to get our newsletter, it comes out monthly. Uh, this this week, it's uh, or this month, I'm sorry, it's uh, Market Strategies, Three Ways to Play Defense in Your Portfolio. Uh, key estate planning documents that you have to have, and what's new in the college world. And uh, it goes, you know, it has financial information that isn't always about the market. You know, finance, finances encompass a lot. And then uh, I've talked about this several times rewriting retirement. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're out there yet, but uh, I trust me on this. Uh, this is a great piece. Uh, you know, whether you're 40 or whether you're 60. It's a piece that you should uh, get. And I've only had three people sign up for it, so I know it's a good one. Um, and I would just highly recommend, uh, uh, you know, that you give it a try anyway. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a, a piece that's worth reading in a big way. Uh, also, we, we, we do have our healthcare conference notes from paid both days, one and two. And, you know, healthcare has just been whacked. And, you know, you want to buy high quality sectors when they're down and they're down. So uh, that's a, that's a good place to start. And there's some really, really good ideas there. So uh, a new study from academic researchers found that 66 and percent of all bankruptcies were tied to medical issues, either because of high cost for care or time out of work. And an estimated 530,000 families turned to bankruptcy each year because of medical issues. Um, investors, made up more than 11% of U.S. home purchases in 2018. That's the highest, uh, by that story from CoreLogic. It's a record high and almost twice the current, the previous recession level. So people are, you know, this, uh, you know, where they're fixing the house up and, and flipping it is, is becoming widespread now. The U.S. prepaid card ecosystem is huge with 10.7 billion prepaid card transactions made in 2016 reaching $290 billion, and it's shifting from low-income and unbaked consumers towards millennials. They're using it a lot more. So uh, it, very interesting, very interesting. So I, I, I had a call uh, with Bert, and uh, Bert has called in the show several times when we used to be live. Uh, 
<laughs> and he said, Tim, why are you so, so ex- excited about gold? Well, look, um, gold, first of all, is a haven if there's a market paradigm shift. And and I've been talking about this value versus growth thing for some time. And look, uh, this week, you know, gold broke out again. Silver just went straight, straight up. Copper is starting to break out. Okay. So we're seeing stuff that we haven't seen in a long, long time, like 9, 10, 12 years, 15 years. And so a paradigm shift is just simply that, uh, hey, maybe growth is too expensive. Don't know. I mean, I don't know what the re- why it would happen. Okay, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. Call Ray Dalio if you, if you have 50 million bucks, that is. Anyway, the point is, is that sometimes you have uh, scenarios where, uh, value starts to pick up and growth starts to go down. It may be the dollar. And the dollar, you look, if if they lower interest rates 50 basis points, which we're talking about, that's a half a percentage point for those who don't know what a basis point is, uh, the dollar is going to come down. Okay? It's going to come down. If it breaks 96, it could come down a lot. Uh, that would be out of a triangle pattern, and it would be, uh, I mean, a... Um, a uh, uh, lateral a lateral movement straight up, and I forget what they call it, but it's, it's kind of like a triangle pattern. If it breaks down, it breaks down hard. And, you know, that could be a problem. The also, people are starting to look at sub-zero yield spreads, you know? And I don't think that's good for anybody, personally. But, uh, you know, so there's reasons for, you know, as the dollar goes down, commodities go up. And if the dollar breaks 96, they're going to go up. I think it's interesting that gold broke out first, Silver came right behind it, and copper is not far behind. And people are starting to talk about the steel stocks again. I, you know, I mentioned last week that somebody bought a lot of U.S. steel calls, and that's a very bullish strategy. So, uh, you know, I'm not recommending this, by the way. I'm just saying they bought them. Uh, so, you know, pay attention. Anyway, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk more about gold later on. Look, one of the things I think a lot of people don't understand or don't do well is they got to look at the both the 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 asset side, but the debit side of their portfolio. And one of the things we help people do is take loans against portfolios at very low low cost, by the way. But chances are good that when you think about managing your wealth, your attention immediately goes to the asset side of your personal balance sheet. And look, what I'm trying to tell you is, as I work with both sides of the balance sheet, and uh, you can use debt to preserve and enjoy and share your wealth, okay? Uh, you can also use it to build your wealth. So... Uh, look, once you know how much you can borrow, uh, the securities-based form of credit can be used to optimize cash flow, seize timely investment opportunities. I just had one of my clients buy a house uh, down in Florida. Got a great deal on it. Uh, fund real estate purchases. There we go. Fund business investments. Refinance higher interest debt, which is a real good idea. Fund major purchases. Fund unexpected expenses and finance education. So you got to learn how to manage your credit. Uh, and I, I think if you use a credit strategy or strategically, we should say, you can do things uh, in, in a big way. So using leverage to expand your portfolio, you got to be a little bit more careful about that. But you can enhance some diversification, that type of thing. But financing real estate uh, is really a good idea. Now, streaming video products take multiple forms, uh, you know, short Internet clips, subscription-based services such as Netflix, etc., and today, approximately 200 streaming video services exist, but the top four companies dominate the market and one provider guarding 70% of the market. Now, Netflix came out this week and said, oops, and I think Disney's starting to pick up. You know, we talked about Disney a while back, but 70% of U.S. homes have some s- sort of streaming subscription, whether it's Amazon Prime, Netflix, or, or now Disney. Uh, and the emergence of streaming videos has been disruptive. It's been quite disruptive and uh, to the traditional media ecosystem. So uh, I think cable, you know, especially with 5G coming, is in trouble. So the future appears bright for the leading uh, streaming providers. And I think, you know, what uh, the cable companies are going to start to do is use their content for good reasons. Um, you know, we had a great uh, call this week on, on, uh, from our strategy group. And they, they talk about staples. And you may know that uh, Carly, uh, I mean, <laughs> Carly Calcivina, uh, who is our head strategist, is really high on staples right now. And uh, so we, we had a great uh, call and we had some specific ideas out there that we liked. But 
you know, there's four or five reasons why we like them, and uh, they are they're, they're high dividend. Uh, dividend-yielding areas tend to outperform when the Fed is easing. That's number one. Two, staples have been relatively resistant on the earnings revision trends. They're not going down. Consumer staples are deeply out of favor on sentiment work. Nobody likes them. Amazing. They keep going up and nobody likes them. And 2020 election risks are relatively low for staples. They're high for almost everybody else. And the ETF uh, flows are positive for staples, and that's the only group that I could see that they're really positive for. So, And the relative P's have moved up, but I think valuations are still uh, reasonable in a lot of different uh, scenarios. So, But uh, high real, you know, dividend-yielding areas tend to outperform when the Fed's easing. Uh, you know, Staples, they, they've been very positive on their earnings front. So we do have a lot of them uh, that we like. Uh, look, there's some very, you know, with the election coming, you got to worry about health care, energy, materials, financials, and, and communication services. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that you have to be paying fairly close attention to what's going on. Now, I have three or four recommendations. Uh, you know, I'm not not going to talk about them right now, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, look, uh, we were talking about active a- allocation this week, and I think right now you have to position for a maturing cycle. Uh, this is what I'm, I'm thinking. I, I think what we could have is, is kind of a... a uh, either a big move up or a big move down in the fourth quarter, depending on what you're, we do, uh, um, at, you know, at the Fed. And, you know, we have this yield curve inversion right now, uh, which means that the long-term yields are lower than the short-term yields. So in fixed income, I think what you want to look at is position into emerging markets. Their debt is uh, a lot higher than ours, and uh, that it's not for everybody, but it's a place to go. Also, in, in fixed income, I think you want to your duration uh, positioning should be just above neutral. And also, you want to stay with the U.S. investment grades, you know, uh, somewhere in the 7 to 10 area. And global equities, I think U.S. large cap uh, are you should start to underweight a little bit. OK, uh, especially growth. Uh, I think global equities, I'd have a, you know, a 50 50 type of viewpoint on, et cetera. So. Those are just some thoughts uh, that that we have on, uh, you know, some asset allocation. Now, Lori Calcivina, like I said, she continues to overweight the S&P 500 consumer staple area. And I, I think that's impo- important. Um, you know, she's she's she likes small cap bigger than the large cap. But we're going to talk why that's not a good idea in the second half of the show and uh, or se- second part of the show. And I, I also think that. Um, you know, small cap growth is outperforming small, small cap value. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And remember, uh, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM and go to local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes. You can uh, you can always hear last week's podcast. Uh, you know, if you missed, if you only heard two minutes of it because you were driving uh, of this show, and you want to hear the whole thing, you can pick it up. It comes out Monday or Tuesday at noon. I'm not sure exactly which one, but it's uh, it's just an easy, convenient way for you uh, to listen. Plus, if you don't want to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to listen, you can always uh, wait till Tuesday and listen if you like. Um, you know. <laughs> We we have, <coughs> I'm sorry, still still trying to get over this cold from like uh, three weeks ago. We we have the U.S. indexes hitting all time highs, but we're they're hitting with less and less stocks. And I, I sent the chart out this week, so if you want to get on my chart list, all you have to do is go. To, by the way, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty, go to uh, local podcast and go down to mine. It immediately takes you to my web page. So you can you know hit the email me or contact me and, and, and ask for this. But I sent out uh, or asked to be on the list. I sent out a, 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 a note to everybody about the financials kind of in this triangle pattern. Uh, and, and by the way, so are into small caps. So if we break out north of these, it would be very positive. Uh, but right now, they're not. Same with the small caps. They're not. Okay. So they're, you're not following suit. We are having all these indexes. The big indexes hit new highs. So... Um, Look, small caps have been okay, especially small cap growth stocks have been okay. 
but uh, just recently, uh, the large caps uh, went to a, a buy signal versus small caps. So uh, that, that's exactly opposite of what Lori Calcivino was was hoping for, by the way, which is not good. So now, look, we, we look at things and we say, OK, domestic equities still have the most amount of votes. As a matter of fact, they garnished a few other uh, votes this week. Uh, they're up to 298. International equities have 257. Fixed income, 150, uh, one, I'm sorry, 159, and that's all from uh, uh, the long end, by the way. Commodities are at 147, although they picked up uh, seven votes this week, which is interesting. Cash, 144. Currencies are at 84. Um, we did have fixed income commodities and currencies fail versus cash, so they didn't fast what we call the bogey check. Uh, so the two that did was were uh, domestic equities and and, and international equities. Uh, so that's, that's a big positive. Now I did notice a couple things. I noticed that, um, well, I was looking at the Invesco commodity model and this week they bought the, the, a bunch of gold, uh, ETFs, uh, and they, they sold the commodity index and bought the gold ETFs. So, uh, that's something interesting. And then state street, uh, their focus fund of the week was the technology sector spider. And then iShares. uh, they like the financial ETF, and like I said, that isn't broken to the north yet. By the way, if the financials and the small caps break to the north, I think that'll be very, very positive. Uh, now, gold continues a very bullish consolidation right now. So I, I think, uh, you know, it was between 1380. Remember, we said it had to break 1370. It did. So it stayed between 1380 and 1440. Uh, I think Jerome Powell... Uh, you know, confirm the likelihood of, of some kind of uh, a rate cut. Uh, but gold is more than just a commodity. Gold is sometimes also viewed as an alternative currency. So if the dollar is going to go down, uh, and, and I think it will if, if you know, we cut rates. Uh, also, you know, it has competition now from Libra and, and Bitcoin uh, as, as the reserve currency. So, that, you know, gold's telling us something, and it was a pretty big breakout. I mean, you're talking about a breakout going back to 2013, Okay, January of. So, you know, you're talking about almost uh, six years. So that's something interesting. Uh, I was charting um, the eight advanced decline lines, and I noticed that on the New York Composite Index, which is about 1,000 stocks, it, it is hitting a new high, which is very positive. I'm also noticing on the Russell 2000, it's, it's down about 12% from the high, and the transports is down about 12% from the high. The material stocks and the, the value stocks, uh, the AD line is not so good. So <clears throat> we're also seeing in the NASDAQ composite, the advanced decline line going down. Okay. It's in a downtrend right now. It's making a series of lower highs. Let me say that again. The NASDAQ composites advanced decline line is making a series of lower highs. So, uh, you know, that goes back to Lori Calcivina's call last summer that the, the FANG stocks were pretty much overbought and, and uh, you want to stay away from them. Now, one of the things that's interesting is the value, I mean, the value index, the S&P 500, uh, no, the S&P 500 value index, uh, <clears throat> the AD line uh, is, is turned up. The mid caps also, uh, the, the, the advanced decline line is, is hitting a new high. So uh, the advanced decline line is simply a number of advancers versus decliners. They divide them. And if it continues to hit new highs, that's very, very positive, uh, obviously. So <clears throat> when, when the AD line is going up, and the index is going up. That's considered a very positive uh, scenario. So, um, so we have that going with everything but the Nasdaq Composite, and the and the value line index. Like I said, it, the relative performance is starting to break to the north. It's not a solid citizen yet. So, uh, now I did notice a couple things. I noticed in the transport area some of the airlines showing some significant earnings. And some of them have been going sideways for a long, long time. So there's some major breakouts. Now, look, I talk about buy low, sell high, but there's also when you have a sideways pattern for a pretty long time and you break above that, that's very positive also. So the airlines are starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, expect I, I, I know of two that I really like. I have one that I own some of. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're also seeing the relative strength of airlines improving versus the S&P 500 rally. So that's another good sign. By the way, they're considered value stocks. So the, those value stocks are starting to pick up again and, uh, you know, take it from there. 
I am seeing some industrials start to pick up. Man, there's there's three or four that I own that are really doing well. One we t- we've talked about on this show uh, about being on a relative strength buy signal since way back when. Um, so there's another scenario that you have to keep in mind. Uh, they are value stocks, okay? Um, they are, you know, value is important. So let's just leave it at that. Um, look, somebody asked me, Tim, you know, some of these stocks are taking off. And uh, I actually had the guy in the, that uh, last week we had lunch together. Um, and I talked to him. He, he called in for our, our software, you know, our technology uh, uh, conference. And he owns a lot of these names. Uh, you know, and he was talking about uh, at that point Shopify, which has just been an absolute home run ball. I mean, we recommend that stock at $100. It's like 300 now. Actually, ninety-seven is where we uh, ninety-five is where we recommended it. It's like three hundred right now. He says, "Well, when do I buy it?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you didn't buy it once when you got the the uh, the paperwork, you should have, um, you know, waited a little bit." But the, the, you know, we're we're seeing uh, these things really go crazy on the upside. So it's I think you got to wait for some of these things to uh, pull back. Now, I'm not recommending Shopify, just so you know, but I just think you got to wait for the pullback. Look, I think short-term pullbacks remains likely, but. Uh, I think you're going to see a cyclical backdrop remain bullish through the year end. I, I think fourth quarter might be a really good one. I, that's my that's Tim Hayes' opinion. Nobody else's, so don't go you know, jumping up and down or anything like that. But I expect a lot more sector rotation heading into the end of the third quarter. And I also think bond yields, uh, the U.S. dollar, copper, are setting up as tailwinds to the cyclicals at this point. Uh, you know, Copper breaking out is very positive for most industrials. The U.S. dollar sliding a little bit, uh, and and it might slide a lot if you know if we do if we if we lower rates by half a percentage point, I think it's going to slide a lot. Equity investors are just beginning to shift their focus from the macro concerns to micro earnings season. So, you know, we're in kind of that transition period where I don't think you want to be uh, going crazy. Look, technology still leads it. Um, I'm, I'm starting to see some of the foreign technology stocks start to pick up. Industrials, I'm seeing uh, quite a few that I really like. That are uh, that, that have sold off a little bit. Uh, staples are still doing well, but the the industrials are are starting to pick up versus staples. So we'll see if uh, who's right, Miss Calcivina or, or uh, my charts. <laughs> now I looked at the weekly momentum of the S and P five hundred, and it's kind of oversold. So I mean, if it continues to decelerate for a while, probably won't go too far down. But you know, if it starts to turn. We could have a big move. I still think you want to be in stocks versus bonds. That's my opinion. Um, now, if I look at the daily I, and charts, I look at the relative strength uh, and the momentum numbers. They're starting to turn over a little bit. Now, the question is, will they turn over a little bit and turn back up, or will they just turn over? Uh, the Russell is the one that – the Russell 2000, which is the smaller names and some of the banks, uh, the relative performance versus the S&P 500 still is not tar- doing anything for me. It's just not – it's not turning around at all. So that's where the large caps are, I think, you know, the place to be for this time being and still will be. Um, and and we, we once again, we're seeing the cyclical uh, versus the defensive sector. Uh, the cyclicals are picking up. And growth versus value, value is not anywhere to be seen yet. Although, I mean, if you look at the divergence between the two, it's pretty big. And, and I think what's really interesting is the Citigroup economic surprise is in an area where there could be, uh, some very important upside, and the sentiment backdrop is very is very supportive of uh, you know further gains in the market. The ten year yield got very oversold. Uh, short term, it's a little bit overbought, so I think you know you could have a little bit of pullback. I don't think you want to be short uh, bonds though. Um, uh, I mean uh, long bonds, in my opinion. Now gold broke above resistance and now is is holding up. So. That's a really good sign. Now, some of the ETFs that I saw out there in gold stocks have a lot of um, a lot of resistance, and if they were to, I think they broke through on Friday. Uh, I mean, on Thursday. So uh, we'll see. But the relative performance versus the S and P five hundred did break out. The junior index, I think, broke out. Uh, the junior stocks, you know, they have two different gold ETFs, uh, and it's across the board, by the way. The large ones and the small ones, and the small ones definitely broke out. The large ones I have to check. I didn't. I didn't look before the the show. Uh, the copper, it, it, I think, broke out on Friday. So uh, keep that in mind. So the areas I'm seeing improvement are our healthcare, which you can get. You know, our healthcare two day conference uh, from us, 
and energy. Now, everybody hates energy, which I think is interesting. And what we're seeing is weakening is all the weakening are the bond surrogates. So we'll find out. Defensive bond proxies are losing uh, momentum right now. Uh, we're starting to see some uh, stabilization, uh, like I said, in consumer discretionary, industrials, energy, that type of thing. Uh, and I just think, you know, technology still leads the way for now. Semiconductors are starting to turn around, and the relative performance is starting to pick up too. So uh, we haven't seen that yet on the industrials, although there are some industrials look pretty good. And the same way with financials, they're, they're starting to – they're going sideways as they pick up. One thing, the utilities, for all those UO utilities, are at a, a new high, but the relative performance is, is starting to head south. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And, you know, we always talk about the bullish percent because it's our main risk guide. And, uh, look, I had a guy in my office a couple of weeks ago. He says, I'm not basing anything on, on an X or an O. And I said, that's fine. I just said, look, uh, you know, do you want to be in stocks when they're going up or when they're going down? <laughs> you know, and it's a lot easier. And if they're down and they're starting to turn, do you still want to be paranoid or do you want to start to look for stocks? And that's what this is all about. So this is designed way back in the 30s uh, by people who wanted to be bullish when everybody else was bearish and be bearish when everybody else was bullish. OK, uh, like Mr. Patton said, if you run with a crowd, you're, you're not being nobody's thinking. OK, so the point is, this is a chart from zero to 100. We get over 70. That's the red zone. That's when everything's, you know, that's when CNBC says we're going to 50,000 on the Dow. When you hear that, you know, usually you, you can count on a correction. Then we go below 30. That's the green zone. That's when everybody's, you know, crying their beer. Like I said, you don't open your 401k statement, you know, that type of thing. And what's interesting here is that if we have an offensive team on the field, the X's, you know, that means that there are more charts building up to buy signals. OK, when we get column of O's, that's when a whole bunch of, of uh, charts just went to sell signals. So. That's distribution, folks. And, and look, I don't think you, you can you catch a falling knife. And if you can catch a falling knife, can you catch it in the handle? Are you that good? Well, good luck. If not, tune into the show and we'll t- teach you about the bullish percent a little bit. So the bullish percent this week. Uh, well, uh, w- one of the things um, I, I I talked about a lot is uh, I show people there's a fer- certain type of chart and it's, it's we call it the. Uh, it just shows where each group ended the year. And, you know, for the last five years, value has lost. They've been dead last. And the fourth year, they were second to last. <laughs> or the fifth year, they were second to last. And usually, when you're at the bottom, you go to the top the next year. So that's very unusual. So value's been under underperforming for some time. So we'll see what happens. But the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent is the main guide we watch was is is at fifty one point nine? It's down point zero percent. It wouldn't reverse down to uh, to forty six, so we got a little ways to go. The over the counter index, which is the smaller name, so we're hoping this the triangle pattern we talked about breaks out to the north. It was up point four this uh, week. It's up to forty two point one. Wouldn't reverse down to to thirty six, so it's got some ways to go. The, the world index is in a column of O's. I did notice some emerging market uh, indexes are starting to turn back up again, so. All our bullish percent indicators remain unchanged from last week. That's very positive. Uh, the PT indicators, which is a, a very positive thing also, is, is good too. Domestic equities almost hit 300 votes this week. That's very positive. So if you're going to do dynamic asset level investing, and what this is is relative strength investing, okay? Domestic equities are 27.5% of your portfolio. International equities will be 23.6. Fixed income, 14.6. Commodities, 13.5, cash, 13.1, and currencies, 7.7. However, both commodities and currencies and, and fixed income, all three of them, did not meet the bogey check versus cash. So what you might want to do is put 50% or 60% in domestic equities, 30 in international, and 10 in cash. I, you know, that would be my guess. Anyway, all, all the indexes still look good on the charts. Um, 
you know, the the uh, small cap index is catching up. It's three straight weeks of being positive. So that would be a big, big plus as far as Tim Hayes is concerned in, in the market. Look, over the past week uh, of market action, all 10 of the major market ETFs uh, that I follow uh, finished up in positive territory. So that's the Diamond, the Emerging Markets, the uh, EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, the Frontier uh, Markets, Mid cap, small cap, QQQs, five the the five hundred equal weight, the five hundred uh, trust, and the Vesco top fifty or the XLG. So, uh, a positive scenario. Uh, we'd like to see, like I said, more of the small caps going forward. Now, we look at the bullish percent for the sector group too. Okay, and what we're we're concentrating on is the favored sector. Now, we're at forty six point four, and this is the least number of favorite sectors I've ever seen for this position on the, uh, on the sector bullish percent. We're down to four. Uh, we, were, we were up to five last week, and then we came back. But electric utilities are way off the charts. They're at 85. They are underperforming, actually, on a relative basis to the S&P 500. Um, waste management's at 65. Aerospace is at 60. And then telecommunications is at 35. Everything else is... Uh, non-favored, although I am I think if I do my calculations, which I'll do uh, before this segment's over, there's one more sector that has turned positive. Um, and I think it happened Friday or Thursday, I'm sorry. So anyway, uh, there are some groups that are in bull confirmed status, uh, which we want to see them turn up. It would be uh, biogenetics, computers, drugs, uh, forest and paper products, healthcare. Household goods, media, restaurants, and software, and then transports, non-air. Uh, now, there is a – look, I, I, I'm pretty sure that precious metals turned up uh, on Thursday. So that may be the fifth sector, but I'm not sure. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the favorite sector things comes out on Thursday morning, not Thursday afternoon. So transportation uh, non-air did turn up, uh, but it's it, – they're very still unfavored, uh, so they're they're turning they're they're trying to make headway. They're not there yet, and protection services and non-ferrous metals have have fallen by the wayside. Now, international equities. One of the main uh, you know decisions investors have in the international space is how to split allocations between emerging and developed markets. And I guess there's many ways to decide that breakdown. But look, uh, currently, the uh, the uh, the non-emerging markets are have a return of about 11.5%, and the emerging markets are up 99 So it's been the non-emerging markets, that, the more uh, mature markets that are doing well. Um, however, equities are not the only area in the emerging market space that I like, and that is there are some uh, debt portfolios, so what we call market, market sovereign, emerging markets sovereign debt portfolios that are kind of interesting. And I just think that uh, versus the AGG or, you know, the U.S. aggregate uh, portfolio, uh, I think you want to be more in the foreign market. So they're actually up about 13 percent versus five on our our market. So uh, I'm seeing more and more of these debt funds, especially the ETFs, starting to break out. So, you know, maybe fixed income, you want to put a portion of that. You make your own decision. Uh, I am seeing several of the frontier or emerging market funds breaking double, triple tops, uh, and some are even actually breaking their downtrend lines. So uh, that's good. Uh, if I look at fixed income, you know, I looked at uh, the July U.S. Uh, 10-year Treasury yield index, and you know it bounced from multi-year lows at, at 1.95 to a current reading of, uh, I think it's, it's 2.089. And so the recent move has uh, moved the default chart of the TNX back to a buy signal. So what we're doing is we're buying the yield now. Okay, so yield goes up, the bond goes down. Okay, um, although the recent moves have uh, moved this to a buy signal, the overall picture is still negative. All right, so it's not something you want to jump on. I think the general trends uh, of interest rates can be detected on a point and figure chart when you look at some of the major yield indexes. Okay, so uh, you know that's another thing you got to think about. Um, let's see what else we got. Okay. Um, I looked at the, the uh, commodities, 
And gold's still been positive for about nine weeks. Crude's been positive for about three weeks. I think the Iranians are helping crude, uh, you know, hijacking ships and stuff like that. And the U.S. dollar has been hit uh, a bit of a bit of a holding pattern for the last 30 days and seen just basically seeing this thing trade sideways. So it's not going up. It's not going down. Uh, you know, I did look at the the dollar's impact on asset class returns. And I, I do have, you know, if you want to talk about that, please call me at the office because, uh, you know, if it does turn over, I think things are going to change fairly quickly. And uh, I hope you're ready for it. Relative strength buy signals. And this is important. Uh, remember, some buy signals have last for a long, long time, like Danaher. Danaher has been a buy, on a buy signal since 2000. I mean, 19 years the thing's been on a buy signal and it's never really given up a whole lot. So uh, these are names that, uh, you know, you want to pay attention to. Uh, Ion Geophysical Corp., they're in the oil drilling area. Infi, which is a semiconductor company. Uh, CIA Sentimento Basico, which is a water utility in, in Brazil. Uh, Scorpio Bulk. Uh, Bulkers, they're industrial goods, or they're actually, I, I think, in the shipping business. Vivint Solar, which is an electric utility, uh, the solar side. Millicron Holdings, which I think I've taken over. On the sell side, this is where you just want to make sure that you're, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're checking your fi- fundamentals. Uh, Hildebrandt, uh, Fludium, and that, by the way, that was there was a big insider buys on that one, uh, but it, it did, did go to a sell signal. Omni uh, OmniCell, which is in the medical products area. Uh, Interactive Brokers, Standard Motor Products, uh, True Cows in the Technology Services, Malibu Boats, Kindred Biosciences, Element Solutions, the Star Groups, Canopy Growth, which is in the marijuana business, and Puxin Limited. So uh, those are names you want to be careful with. Now, look, I, I, I want to talk about uh, something really quick. I believe, like I said earlier, I believe the relative strength chart on precious metals went into a column of X's this week which I think makes it a, a favored st- status, but I'm not anybody from Dorsey Wright. They, you know, they have their way of doing things. So I think we may be seeing that happen next week. So we were a little bit early on that one, but I think we hit it right on the nail. So if whoever got those those uh, charts, I certainly hope you uh, paid attention. Anyway, look, one of the things I think is important, and I'm just going to talk about this for a second, is you've got to figure out, and you know, I, I spend hours doing this talking to people, I'm trying to figure out my my client's behavior. And I kind of put my clients into four categories. And you've got to figure out if you're in one of these categories or what category you're in. And, and the more information you provide to your financial advisor, the better he can do for you, okay, uh, based on your expectations, okay? So are you a preserver? Are you a follower? Are you an independent? Or are you an accumulator? All right, and... You know, look, preservers uh, place a great deal of importance on financial stability and wealth preservation. Followers are passive investors and tend to follow the lead. Independents are self-assured, usually strong-willed, and often trust their own instincts. Accumulators are more aggressive type investors. And, I, you know, finding out what you are is very, very important because then you can figure out where to go. <laughs> uh, once again, don't forget our uh, healthcare conference uh, we have two days of it. It's great stuff. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Tim Hayes, and this is the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, once again, I, I mentioned last week that I thought that we could have a 3 to 5% correction, and we kind of had a little bit of one so far. And um, I think... You know, the Federal Reserve, even though they're lowering rates, they're still taking money out of the system, and they're not going to stop till September. Now, they said they're going to stop in April. They changed their mind. And uh, so, you know, this is quantitative tightening. This is undoing what they did for three years when Ben Bernanke was the uh, Fed chair. And that's a problem, as far as Tim Hayes is concerned, because even if you lower rates, you're still sucking money out of the system. So it's still a tight monetary system. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't make sense in, in today's current mode, I think. Uh, now, we talk about insiders from time to time on this show, uh, like every week, because it's important. They know their company better than we do. And we did a deal this week uh, for a company called Health Equity, which is healthcare information systems. 
And four of the insiders decided to take that uh, scenario and run with it. They each bought about $610,000 worth. And uh, there was the CEO, CFO, and two directors. So you love seeing the CEO do stuff like that, and you love seeing directors. Now, this, back in November, was $102 stock, and it's now 70 And there was a downtrend line that it just broke. So uh, maybe something new is happening that we should know about. And then there's Cenis Technology, which is in the agricultural chemical area. It's at buck thirty-three. Was at uh, two dollars just uh, back in May. And the president and CEO bought nine hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars worth. Now he owns a ton of it. He just owns a ton of it. That's all I'll say. Uh, then we had uh, WNT Offshore, which is a, an offshore drilling company. Now remember, uh, the guys at Rig bought uh, five point seven nine million shares at eleven bucks. And uh, the stock's now six, so you know, want to be careful with this stuff. Uh, also, you know, we, we two or three other ocean rig type drillers uh, have been buying their stock pretty pretty big, and they keep going down. Uh, so they obviously they think uh, there's a big turnaround. But the CFO has a total of forty six million shares, and he, he just bought uh, four hundred sixty seven thousand dollars and four hundred uh, and seventy and sixty thousand dollars. So here we got a guy buying $950,000 worth of stock, and he already owns $46 million. Uh, that's, that's quite a bit. So I just uh, I like when I see that, uh, especially when the stock's down. And then um, I, I was looking at BioChrist Pharmaceuticals, and uh, this, this is a pretty big buy. Uh, this is a, a, an officer of the company. She's the chief business officer. Now, those two other buyers, uh, they were smaller. They were in the twenty and 30000 uh, range. But she bought half a million shares, so that's a pretty big buy. This company had a little bit of a disappointment in uh, uh, what? Well, I, I won't say it's a disappointment, but it, their drug didn't beat the competition as badly as some had hoped. It still beat the competition, so they, you know, naturally the way the market is with small caps, they beat the crap out of it. Uh, so anyway. Uh, she stepped out to the plate. That is also a large holding of the Baker brothers, who are very smart biotech money. All right. Uh, just a comment on insiders. Remember, they're early. I'm only looking for the very large insider buys. And right at the moment, uh, we went from having the most insider buys in the first half of the year that I'd seen ever. And it just dried up. <laughs> All right. So. Usually that means they're getting a little cautious or they're worried. I don't, I'm not sure, whatever. But uh, let's, let's go to talk about a little bit about what I see in the markets. And, uh, you know, right at the moment, we, we have quite a bit of volatility in the stock market. We've been bouncing between 13 and 18 on the uh, VIX index, which is the fear index, the volatility index, for some time now. And um, look, the Dow and the S&P are holding up near their highs, despite the earnings news that has been a driver of some really big individual stocks. I mean, uh, one that I own, Seattle Genetics, was up like 12 bucks in two days um, because their, you know, their revenue was finally kicking in for one of their dr- drugs. But, look, there's some short-term level of support. Uh, I think it's 27000 on the Dow and 2960 on the S&P. Uh, now, we think that these areas have a short-term significance for the, the indexes. You got to hold above these numbers while earnings numbers continue to be reported, and I would consider that to be very, very positive. Below those levels, we believe the next support are about five percent lower. So that's why I said, you know, three to five percent, uh, you know, from where we were. And I, I, I also sent, like I said, I sent this thing out about the bank index, and the bank index has got a series of lower highs, but it's also got a series of higher lows. So it's kind of a triangle pattern, and usually when you break out of that. Uh, whichever way you break out of a triangle pattern is a big move. So we, we want to hope that they break out to the north and not the south, okay? Uh, because, you know, a bull, a bull market without financials means that they're not lending money, okay? You need money to make the market go. And with the Federal Reserve sucking money out of the system all the time, this quantitative uh, tightening that I talked about, you know, you need the banks to be able to lend money. And let's let's hope they do. Also, the Russell 2000 has that same triangle pattern. And like I've said uh, millions of times on this show and probably said a million times more, you need the foot soldiers when you're in a fight. You don't go out, you know, with uh, your knights and and take on, you know, 12,000 crazy Mongols, okay? You, 
you want your foot soldiers, your archers, and the other thing you need is you need the transportation to get, you know, uh, the cannonballs and the cannons up to the front line, okay? And the transports are kind of lagging behind. Now, some of the air transports are starting to break out. That's kind of interesting, but still, you know, uh, we had a couple railroads that were down pretty significantly over the weekend, over the week. Um, So, you know, we want the smaller names to be picking up. We want the transports to pick up. And if, if those two things occurs, that would be great. The financials uh, would be fantastic. Now, look, um, the Dow Jones is at new highs, but it had a very steep move very quickly. And the action, you know, normally tells you that this, it, it could be a, approaching a quick peak. And that's why we we think there could be like a 3 to 5% correction. Um, and then I think, you know, you want to be full tilt in, uh, in, in my opinion, I, I think, uh, things are getting interesting now. I mentioned the U.S. dollar, and, and we went. We actually broke through the uptrend line, stayed there for two days, and then rallied back up. So uh, we're at ninety-seven plus ninety-seven point oh one. I think we, we closed on Friday. So if we were to break down through to ninety-six again, I'd say that would be that would be negative for the dollar. Uh, you know, if not, it could continue on up to the ninety-nine area, which would be very positive. Uh, for U.S. assets, because, you know, the one thing that Trump uh, talks about is he says, you know, they, these guys are cheating us by playing with their currency. Yes, they are. But when the, your dollar is rising, assets, people are buying dollar assets. OK, the way you'd buy into the U.S. dollar is buying stocks and bonds. So it's it's a very part and part of a, a bull market. And, uh, you know, at least we forget that type of scenario. But um, look, the other thing is that. Uh, you know, I'm talking about these triangle patterns. I'm seeing more and more of them. You know, copper has this short-term one, and I think it broke above it this week, so that'd be very positive. And oil would need to get through, I think, 62 and a half, 63 area, uh, and it's done it. Now, you know, gold did it and had a triangle pattern dating all the way back to 2013, January of. So that's almost six years, five and a half to be exact. That's a long triangle pattern, and it's very positive. So, you know, those are the things that... Um, we, we pay attention to, and, and the fact that gold held its breakout is important. The fact that copper is following and silver is following. Silver went straight up, okay? It was almost dying and then went straight up. That's very, very positive. So commodities, after hitting a low, you know, that dates back to like the 70s, are starting to pick up a little bit. So what I think the market needs is a little bit of inflation, not a lot, but not to the point where you're you're snuffing it out completely. You need a little inflation. By the way, that's what really caused the market to finally get over the depression was a little bit of inflation. We had de- deflation for almost 20 years, and then inflation s- snuck in, and it snuck in via a war. Now, I don't think we need a war, but, uh, you know, it's something to think about. Uh, the fact that we are, are starting to see, you know, maybe there's a hint of it out there, but that'd be very positive. The emerging market index is, is drawing out a, a very large bottom, and I, I do think that uh, I, I looked at several of these charts, and, and you know they, they, made a, they broke out, they pulled back to above the old low. They're making a higher low. So demand is coming in at a higher level. It's very positive because these things have basically been out to lunch for eight, nine years, <laughs> all right? So... If, if they were to break above the old high, that would be very, very important. So I think the key things to, to talk about right now is the banking index, that big triangle pattern. If it would break north, that would be positive. We had uh, transportation and the Russell 2000, or, uh, the Russell's in, and uh, not only the Russell but oil are in triangle patterns. Uh, you know That would be a positive, I think. Uh, a lot of the market's been turning. Whenever oil's gone positive, the market's turned positive. And so if we get that going, that would be very, very positive. Those three sectors, we have oil, banking, and small caps. And uh, we'll take it from there. So what would I be doing here? Uh, well, first of all, you know, I, I got to, you know, talk, talk about this again. This, uh, you know, retirement, rewriting retirement uh well, thing we had is very, very important. If you'd also like to learn a little bit about how to use the credit side of your portfolio to your advantage, you know, remember, we have assets 
and liabilities. And sometimes you can use the liability thing to your advantage. I got a, a nice book. It's called The Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Uh, highly recommend it uh, because savvy investors use debt to their advantage. Trust me on that one. Everybody's gotten rich at one time or another has been up up to their ears in hock <laughs> in some cases, but they've always used debt to their advantage. Also, the healthcare conference we've got two days. It's it's a lot to cover, but you know if you want to go over it, I mean there's some really really good ideas in there. And healthcare is down. I also think the dividend growth portfolio. There's a, there's a lot of consumer staples in there. There's a lot of good ideas in there right now. Uh, I got two that are down. Actually, I bought them a little early. Uh, they're down. I'm going to buy some more of them. Uh, I think they're in great shape. Highly recommend that. So, um, you know, uh, we've got a lot to do. All right. There's, uh, you know, got to take a look at some of the, uh, the commodities, uh, the bank index, if it breaks. And there was a lot of good news on the banking front this week. Uh those are a lot of places to go. If you'd like any of our information on it, please give us a call. Uh, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Most of the stuff you can get to on WHK1420's uh, face, I mean, their uh, webpage. Just go to local podcast down at Tim Hayes. It goes directly to my webpage. Thanks for Have a great weekend. Stay cool. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.